was born, there were 414 prophecies about the Messiah, and they were living in an awful time. And, and there was all kinds of, of horrible things that were happening, and rulers that just were abusive, and people living in absolute poverty and filth, and just being treated uh, terribly, and they were constantly looking forward to the Savior and what He would bring. And it looked very different. It wasn't what they were expecting, uh, but there was some amazing things that happened. And of course, we, we talk about that as we get closer uh, to the season. But Jesus was born uh, in Bethlehem. And um, so we, we have these things that we're talking about. Last week, we talked about hope in leading up to the birth of Christ, which we celebrate on the 25th. Uh, and what we talked about with hope is how the world's definition of hope is really kind of like a wish. But God's definition of hope is a confident expectation that he will do what he promises and that it's based on him and not some outside source. And so that's what we talked about. And this week, we are going to talk about peace. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to start here uh, in Luke chapter 2, and we're going to read 8 through 14 to begin this, starting in verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. It was good news then, it's good news now, and it will be good news in the future. And it brings great joy, and joy is what we get to talk about next week. But this week, we're talking about peace. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be assigned to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the heavens and on earth. Peace to those whom God has favor, on who his favor rests. And another version says, with whom God is pleased. And so there's, there, there's peace. How many people in here could say, I could use some peace? I want more peace. I mean, all of us are there, right? Peace is one of those things that we're just, I mean, I long for it. I, I really, really want it. And so I want to establish kind of what that peace looks like and what it is uh, based on the Bible and really kind of how we can get it. Because in the same way, Hope is different, so is peace. Because in my mind, peace looks like a vacation on the beach, right? Or peace looks like uh, an opportunity or time at home where I'm watching a movie. Something along those lines. And, and our definition in our dictionary is this. Freedom from disturbance, quiet and tranquility. That is the definition of peace. And if you look at that definition... You see that it is all based on outside sources, isn't it? Freedom from disturbance. It's quiet, tranquility. So my idea of peace, and if we're talking about different ideas of peace, is date night with my wife. Going to a really nice restaurant and a movie and hanging out together. That's peaceful to me. Reading. On vacation, I took a book with me and I sat down because I just I enjoy it and it's, and it's peaceful and I felt like I needed some peace. And so I took a book with me, and the idea was that I was going to read this book over that four-day break, and I was going to start it and finish it. But what happened was 
I read two pages, fell asleep for 45 minutes. Woke up, read two pages, fell asleep for 45 minutes. I got about eight, nine pages into the book by the time we got back. So that's what really happened. But it creates peace, and it's an idea of peace. And there are times that I just love to sit in the chair and open a book and turn the lamp on and read. And that's, that's my idea of a peaceful night. And we say things like that. Man, I just, I just really need some peace and quiet right now. I just really need some peace and quiet. And those are things that we are longing for. You know, I, I love and, and it's peaceful to, to snuggle uh, with my wife. And we're not going to go any further, but there, snuggling um, with my wife. And so there's all these ideas of what peace is. And here's a reality, I think. There is a massive difference, massive difference, between the peace of God that we see in the Scripture and these temporary escapes that we call peace today. Because they're not really peaceful, are they? Because we know that reality is going to set back in and, and we're not going to have peace. Peace of God is not based on circumstances. Peace of God is regardless of circumstances. It's in spite of circumstances. Peace of God comes no matter what's happening around you, you can have peace. And that's real peace. And that's what I want us to experience. I want us to have real peace. Not peace that's based on a pay raise or, or, or the lack of peace based on whether we get a big bill or whether we're fighting with our spouse or whatever it is. I want the peace of God to be in our lives, a real peace, a peace that is fulfilling, that never, ever ends. A few weeks ago, I talked about the prodigal son and how the older son was chasing after a goat when the father said, that I, everything I have is yours, and how ridiculous the goat was. And I think that's what the father looks at when we're talking about peace and this idea of what we have with peace. He's like, man, you're chasing after a goat when, when there's real peace to be had out there, peace that is in spite of, peace that is in regardless of, a real peace not a goat. The problem with temporary escapes is that they are temporary. That no matter what happens, things change. And we know that, right? You might be, church, having a great time right here in your life. You might be having a time of struggle right now in your life. I don't know what you're going through, but I do know this. It will change. It might change today. It could change tomorrow. It could change in a year or two. But it will change for the good or the bad i want you to have peace now i want you to have peace tomorrow i want you to have peace in a year i want you to have peace in 10 years and that's what god wants from you real peace not the peace the world gives john 14 27 ezra will you please flip that scripture up for me peace i leave you with you my peace i give you i do not give you as the world gives and do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. You see, there's a different kind of peace that the world has, and then there's the real kind of peace that God has. And that's what I want. And I'm telling you, you want the ultimate turmoil in your life? The ultimate turmoil is when you're almost living two lives. When you're trying, on one hand, to follow God, but on the other hand, to live in the world at the same time. When you're doing both of those things, when you're trying to combine those, it just doesn't work, and, and there's a battle going on in your heart, your mind, and your life. I remember experiencing this as, as a teenager in junior high, you know, and, and a little bit in high school, where I wanted to be cool, but I wanted to be a Christian at the same time. And I remember specifically 
going through in my mind, laying awake at night, struggling, because I knew my friends wanted to do things that were wrong and wanted to do things that I didn't believe in. But I wanted to be with them. But I also wanted to be with God. And I remember that ultimate turmoil. And church, I feel like this is where we are so much as a church, not in the way of a teenager, but in real life, where we really want the peace of God, but we're not willing to give it all over to him. Where we really want it, but we're still trying to live a little bit with the world's idea of peace as well. And it just doesn't work that way. That is almost the ultimate turmoil right there, the ultimate war, the ultimate battle that goes on in our lives. There's two kinds, the peace that God gives and the peace that the world gives. And we want the peace of God. John 16, 33, another uh, scripture that I talk about often, I think it's powerful because it says this, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Where do you find peace? In him, right? You find peace in him. In Jesus, you have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Where does trouble lie? It lies in the world. Where does peace lie? It lies in God. And so if your peace is based on worldly outside circumstances, you're not going to find it there because that's where you find trouble. But if your peace is based on God, you will find it there because in him is true peace. And that's what I want us to experience this holiday season, guys. I want all of us, every person in this room, to have real peace, the peace that comes from Jesus. Because here's one of the things I know. We have a lot of Christmas shopping left to do. The malls are packed. Things are chaotic. There's traffic all over the place. Somebody's going to cut me off while I'm driving in Toledo. And in those circumstances, if my peace is not based on God and in Him, I'm not going to feel peaceful. It's going to be the same thing when family gets together and they decide this year they're not going to get along. They're not going to get along. And all of a sudden, there's these little wars going on. And here's what I want. Regardless of the storm, I want you to experience the peace that Jesus has to offer. And it's not peace based on outside circumstances. It's true peace found in him. Because these are things that you're going to experience over the holidays. But they don't have to be end game, right? They don't have to ruin the holidays for you. Because your peace is not based on that. Your peace is based in Jesus. And that's what I want for you. I want you to have real, real peace. I want it in my life as well. I want it when the alarm goes off in the morning that I can wake up actually excited, that, that my life looks different because the peace of God, those people that live in the peace of God, their life does look different. You see, they have the ability, like it says in James, to count it all joy when they face various trials and struggles. They have that ability. Why do they have that ability? Because they know it all lies in Him. It's all in Him. It's not in me anymore. So yeah, I'm facing a trial. I'm facing a struggle, and it's difficult. But it's up to him. I'm going to trust in him and his promises. And I'm going to have peace that is inside, no matter what's going on on the outside. That's what I want for you. I want your life to look different. Because people that have the peace of God, their lives do look different. And we're going to see this as we look through Scripture. Our story for today is in Mark Four, you have your Bibles, you can flip there with me. We're going to talk about Jesus and his disciples. Jesus was an awesome display of peace for all of us in the world.
Mark 4, starting in verse 35. That day, when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Okay. Jesus has already given directions, hasn't he? What did he tell his disciples? He said, we're going over to the other side. So what should the disciples have confidence in? Getting over to the other side, right? Because Jesus said that you're going to get there. So if I have faith and if I have trust in the word of God, I know where I'm going. I know what God has to offer. I've got the direction. He gave it to me. So what does he tell his disciples? Hey, let's get in this boat. Let's go over to the other side. Where are the disciples headed? To the other side. Where are they going to get? To the other side. How do we know this? Because Jesus said it. We're going to get to the other side. I know we're going to get to the other side because Jesus told me we're going to get to the other side. But what happens when they're heading over to the other side and what's going to happen in your life while you're following the trail and the promises of God, you're going to experience a storm. Some of you two, some of you three, some of you 20 million. All of our lives are different. But the peace of God remains the same. Whether you're positive, whether you're negative, whether you have a great holiday, whether you have a horrible one, you can still have the peace of God in all of those circumstances. Why? Because you know, just like these disciples did, where you're going and the direction God has for you. Where are the disciples going? They're going to the other side. How do we know? Because Jesus told them so. But in the middle of it, they find themselves in a storm. So let's keep reading. So what does Jesus say? Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind... They took him along just as he was in the boat, and there were other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern sleeping. He was sleeping. Why was Jesus sleeping? Because Jesus knew where they were going. The storm didn't matter, right? Because he knows where they're going. We're going to the other side. Yeah, there might be a storm, there might be a little bit of roughness going on, but I can sleep right now because what? I know where I'm going. I have faith and trust that we are going to get there. So yeah, the the storm pushes, but, but I can sleep. That's what I'm talking about when I say people that really experience or really have the peace of God, their lives look different. It's because it looks like Jesus sleeping in a boat during a storm. That's what it looks like. Now, this this really get, I mean, it kind of bothers me because I, I don't do well on boats. Like, we went out on the boat uh, on Lake Erie, me and Malachi and some other guys to fish, and I spent the first two hours hanging over the side of the boat. And I could not imagine being involved with a storm and what is happening with my stomach. And Jesus is able to sleep. His life looks different. Why? Because he knows where he's going. He's got faith and trust in that. He's going to get there. And so he can move that direction and have peace during the storm. Guys, church, Jesus has given us direction. We know where we're going. We know where we're going to end up. Can you have peace during the storm? Can you? Can you sleep during? Can your life look different during the storm because you know where you're going? Absolutely it can. Why? Because in him we have peace. In the world we will have trouble. But take heart. He has overcome the world. This storm is nothing for Jesus. And the disciples should know that. But they don't. And we live often just like these guys do. When the storm hits, we are, we are panicked. And Jesus is over there sleeping. And what do the disciples do? They go and wake him up. What are you doing? There's a storm. Can you save us? Can you? Which, the irony of this situation, 
It is believed that about seven of these disciples were professional fishermen that lived on the lake. They were in boats every single day. And what do they do? They wake up the preacher. That happens all the time, church. They wake up the preacher. And it's like, I don't know what to do. I've never even, I've never even rode a boat before. You know, what the heck are you talking about? So they wake up the preacher. They should know. They have training. But you guys know this. No matter how much training, no matter how much education, no matter how much you think you know, you will run into situations that are beyond your skill set, won't you? You will. You will run into situations where you're like, I have no idea what to do. And if you think you do know what to do, just if you've had teenagers, remember what that was like. And if you haven't, just wait until you have them. Because there are often times when I look at my wife and I'm like, I don't know. She's like, what should we do? I don't know. (laughs) Did you understand what they said? Nope. You know, I don't know what's going on. Because that's just kind of life at times. We, it's beyond us. We don't know. It doesn't make sense. But I do know this. I know this. The disciples are headed to the other side. Why are they headed to the other side? Because Jesus said they were. But in this, they're in a storm. They feel like it's beyond their skill set. So what do they do? They go wake up Jesus. And how does Jesus respond? Well, he calms the storm. He calms the storm. Which I think is awesome. They made the right move, right? The right move is to go, get, go to Jesus when it's beyond our skill set. But how does Jesus respond? I want to I read this. Okay, he got up. Okay, afterwards, Jesus in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. And the wind died down, and it was completely calm. In verse 40, he said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? I think that might be the same question that we are asked or should be asking of ourselves today. Because church, we live in a time of worry and a time of fear where we feel like we have no idea what's going on and things are outside of our control and guess what they are. Just like the disciples couldn't control the boat, couldn't control the storm, Things were looking dangerous. But in those moments, Jesus knew this, and he questions the disciples, why are you afraid? The world will give you trouble. There's nothing. I mean, it's out there. It's going to happen. There's nothing we're doing about it. But that does not mean that you have to live in fear. In fact, the promise or what we have in God is that we can live in peace during the storm. Why? Because we know that we're going to the other side. We know that, just like the disciples did. So don't be afraid. Why are you afraid? And then the second question is, do you still have no peace? Do you still have no peace, or no faith, sorry. Do you still have no faith? Because we have to trust, and we have to learn to trust. We we find our peace in Him, which means that we are going to trust God. And I want us, and I want our lives to look more like Jesus is, of course, than the disciples. I want us to know where we're going, church, as a people. And when the storm and when the world throws stuff at us, we can sleep right through it. Why? Because we know where we're going. We're not panicked by the storm. We have peace because of the direction and the promise that we have. That's what I want for us. That's what I want in the holidays. It doesn't, 
you know, they had struggles and life was horrible, but they had a promise of a Savior who was going to come. And they were able to trust in that. Regardless of what the enemy throws at you, trust in the promise of what God has to offer. 1 Peter 5, 7-9, our application for today. I want to give us a little bit of a recipe, kind of how to do this in our lives, how to live um, with the peace of God and how to find it. We're going to find it in this section of Scripture here. 1 Peter 5, starting in verse 7. says this, cast all your anxiety on him, for he cares for you. Why are you afraid? Why are you worrying? Let's get rid of it. Let's throw it onto the Lord, because he cares for you. I like another version. The way I have it memorized is cast all your cares on him, for he cares for you. I love that. Casting all your anxiety, casting all your worries, casting all your cares on him. And as we read that scripture, the question that often comes up is, what does that look like? How do I do that? How do I cast my cares on him? Because I can't just let things go because things are happening in the world all the time. And if I cast my cares on him, it seems like just an hour later I pick them back up and carry them again. And I don't want to do that. So how do I really cast my cares on the Lord? And I love that this verse finishes with he cares for you. Because I think that needs to be something that is deep-seated in our hearts. Like Jesus wasn't going to allow his disciples to die on that boat right there. He cared for them, and he tells them that over and over and over again. He also tells them that they're going to struggle and there's going to be issues. And he also tells them that during those struggles and issues that they can have peace in him. And I think those promises remain the same. So what does it look like to cast our cares and to cast our anxieties? How do we do this? I wrote down three C's. Three C's to help us cast our cares on our Heavenly Father and how we can accomplish this. One is we need to connect with God and the Holy Spirit every single day. That's what we do. We connect with Him on on a regular basis because He is our source of peace. Therefore, everything that comes up in our life needs to be directed and brought to Him, doesn't it? It just needs to be. We have this really cool um, Google Home Mini that we just got recently. Uh, in our house, and it's really neat. You plug it into the wall, and, and it goes through the internet, and you can talk to it. And so it's, I, at first I thought it was demon-possessed, but I found out it's supposed to talk back. So it does. But you say, okay, Google, and then, it, you know, and people have done this for a long time. They have Alexa and the, the Echo thing, but it's really, really neat because it's like, okay, Google, play uh, my worship playlist on Spotify. And it says, your worship playlist will now be played on Spotify. And we change the voice Uh, to a very deep man's voice, because you can do that, and it's kind of cool. So he changed the voice, and it has voice recognition too. It's awesome, where it it can know that I'm talking to it. Like, it can recognize my voice. It can recognize Ruth's voice, and it, and it talks back, and it tells us kind of what's it going to do. And I can say at night, all right, Google, I set my alarm for 7 a.m., and it sets my alarm. Oh, your alarm is now set for 7 a.m. tomorrow morning. And it's really, really neat. But you know what? If that's not plugged into the wall, or that's not hooked up to the internet, it doesn't work at all. And we knew that because we plugged it into the wall, and when we were connecting it and trying to get it to work, it kept saying, air, air. Uh, we don't know what is happening right now, but if you would check your app. And so it was saying those things to us, and we couldn't get it to work. But if you unplug it from the wall, you can yell at it all day long, and it's not going to do anything. 
And that's kind of how we work in this world, isn't it? We're not connected to the source of power, and we're like, why are we having so many issues? Why are we experiencing fear? Why are we experiencing worry? And why don't we have any faith? Why don't we have any faith? Why are we experiencing worry? Because we're not connected to the source. It's a plug. It's like plugging into the wall. Electricity is the source. If you don't have it, it doesn't work. So connect with God, and you got to connect with God, I mean, daily. And I would encourage you to get to the place where it's constantly, you know, the Bible tells us to pray without ceasing. And, and I'm trying to remember, I think it was Smith Wigglesworth uh, says, um, I never pray for more than five minutes, but I never go five minutes without praying. What an awesome lifestyle idea right there, church. Because what does that mean? It means he's constantly connected. He's constantly connected. See, our idea of a prayer life is to sit down and be able to talk to God for an hour, you know, and, and, and maybe that idea needs to be broke down into more what Smith Wigglesworth says. Like, I don't go or pray for five minutes, but I never go five minutes without praying. I'm constantly connected to God. The next C is confess. Confess your faults, confess your weaknesses, confess his strengths, and confess his promises. That, that's, that's a great place to go right there, to confess you know what, Lord, I am just not strong enough in this situation. Lord, I am afraid right now, but your word says that you have not given me a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. Lord, I'm struggling today. I'm not feeling it, but your word tells me that I can do all things through him, through you, because you will give me strength. Lord, your word says the joy of you, the Lord, is my strength. And I'm going to rely on that today. You know, church, it's oftentimes we have to talk to ourselves, don't we? We have to tell ourselves what we're going to think. We have to tell ourselves how we're going to act in certain situations. And stop reacting, but be proactive. So connect and confess. Constantly confess to the Lord. And then the last thing that we have to do, church, is we have to commit to doing things God's way. We have to commit to doing things God's way. Remember at the beginning how I talked about the hardest way and the worst way is to live, try and live in the world and be connected to God. It's, it's miserable. Well, that's how it seems like we are all the time. We, we are constantly asking God why things aren't working out with our finances, but we don't do our finances the way God tells us to. We don't. And then we don't have peace. We're constantly asking God why we're struggling in our relationships with other people, and yet we're not doing our relationships the way God tells us to. And we're not committed to that. Do you know how confident I am uh, in my finances? I still pray a lot about them, but I am confident. Why? Because I give my tithes like God asked me to. I, I did it today. I do it every uh, month. I write a tithe check and and I put it in the offering to give out, and my wife and I do this, and so when a bill comes in that I don't have the money for, I say, well, Lord, I have done my part that you have asked me to do, and whatever happens, I leave it up to you. I've done that for years, and we have never, ever missed one. And I think to myself, I mean, this is it. Why? Well, I, I have peace about it. I do. I do. And, and don't get me wrong. When things come, instantly my reaction is to worry. It is. But intentionally, I will be like, Lord, this is on you. This is on you. And that confidence, because I have been committed to doing things his way, gives me peace. It gives me peace. Peace beyond 
the circumstances, but peace that God has to offer. And I want you to experience that peace. I want to read on real quick here in this verse. It says, Be alert, sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. What do we see here? We see kind of four things that are laid out before us. Be alert, be sober-minded, resist, and stand firm in the faith. What does it mean, really, to be alert? Pay attention. But don't pay attention to the circumstances and the roadblocks. Pay attention to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is almost like our GPS that directs us every single day. But what we, what we do is we're on a road and all of a sudden the road is closed and we stand in front of the road close sign and we yell and are worried about it when all we have to do is hit the little button on our GPS that says alternate route. Alternate route. And if we would learn to tap into the Holy Spirit and say, well, <laughs> Lord, this didn't work out. Help me with an alternate route. And use the Holy Spirit. Be alert. Be paying attention. Not to the circumstances, not to the struggles, but to the Spirit of God and what He wants to do. I mean, trust in closed doors. Trust in them. You know, that closed. Didn't happen. God must have something better for me. And I, and I have learned to do that over the years. When things don't go a certain way, God must have something better. And He often does. Be alert, be sober-minded, sensible. You know your triggers, you know your issues. Use your head. That's what be sober-minded. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Resist him. Don't give in and stand firm in the faith. Once again, sometimes you have to tell yourself what to do. And if we will do this, we have this. Verse 10, the God of grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered a little while will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. You know, we can count it all joy, like it says in James, because we know that through those trials and tribulations, we get perseverance, and it, and it grows, and it grows, and it grows, and we get stronger. And it says in James that we will not lack anything afterwards. You see, through this, we have trials, we have issues, we have struggles. But if we will stand firm, the God of grace will himself restore you, make you strong, firm, and steadfast. Man, that sounds pretty peaceful to me. And that's what I want you to experience over the holidays. May you, when everything is chaotic, have true peace. Not temporary peace, but true peace that is found only in God during these holidays. And may you be able to sleep during the storm. Father, we thank you for your word and your truth. We ask that you will continue uh, to lead us as we strive to follow you. We give you all the praise and glory, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.